See, before we get on to the message, I would like to uh, pray. You're going to pray because I, I need prayer. So let's just bow our heads. And God, we just invite you to this place. God, we just uh, ask that you would speak to every single one of us today, God. We want to hear you, God. We want to hear your voice, God. We want to hear what, what, what you want to say to your church, God. What you want to say to your bride today, God. And we just pray, God, that, that you would open up our hearts, God, that you would open up our ears and open our eyes, God, so that we can receive your word, God, so that we can receive you today, God. And we just uh, accept your word, God, the way that it is, God, as, as, as sharp as it is, God. We just take it, God. We accept it, God, and, 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 and we receive it, God. We, we know, God, that you, that you speak to us, God, and we know that you help us to change, God, and you make us better, God, and you make us stronger, God, and more bold and courageous, God. We just invite you here, God, and give you freedom tonight, God. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to share a fairly short message today, and then we're going to watch a short video. Uh, it's about uh, seven minutes long, and then uh, it's by David Wilkerson, and then we're going to pray after that. But um, So what I wanted to uh, title this message is um, I noticed a lot of my messages for some weird reason, the title is always a question. And uh, I realized that after I titled this message, so it's a question. It's a title is, What is Our Position? What is Our Position? And um, I think it's, it's no secret that um, this world is very rapidly spiraling down, and we see more and more evil and we see more and more darkness around us in our uh, everyday lives. I think it's uh, no secret that it's, it's hard to even go on the internet to, uh, you know, these days. It's hard to, to, to read news. It's hard to, to, to even you know, go on YouTube with how perverted everything has become and how dark and twisted everything has become. And um, you know, and, and what I notice is this darkness is, yes, it's in the world, but like a pastor preached when he was preaching about the, the spirit of, of the Antichrist, that, 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 that worldview and that mentality is creeping its way into the church. And uh, I think we, you know, we're mature Christians, we're grown up, a lot of us are, you know, have a relationship with God and we can see when something is not exactly right. And we can see when, when the message of Christ is being twisted and, and, it, and it's not what Jesus preached. And I think we see that more and more often in churches now, nowadays. And uh, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, like, what is my position? Like, you know, what am I standing on? What am I rooted on? You know, what's, you know what do I have in, in opposition to this? You know, what am I going to do when, 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 you know, there's more and more pressure on on Christians, what, you know, what am I going to do? What decisions do I have to make now so that I can stay faithful later? You know, what, what choices do I have to make now so that I remain faithful until the very end and, and uh, don't walk off this path that so many Christians have already? And uh, I think those are questions that a lot of us must be asking with, you know, just thinking about, about this world and where it's heading. You know, it's like, you know, where where is our heart? That's kind of... What I really wanted to talk about is our heart today, and 
you know, where is our heart positioned? You know, what, what is our heart dedicated to? You know, what do we care about more than anything else? What do we love more than anything else? Or who do we love more than anything else? You know, what is really like taking up our heart? What is, what is in ownership of our hearts? And um, just like the Bible states, just like we always preach here, either it belongs to God or it belongs to the world. You know, there isn't anything in between. There isn't it kind of, no, it either fully belongs to God or it fully belongs to this world. And uh, if we open up Acts chapter 13 in verse 22. You can find this uh, place in the Old Testament, I think in, in 1 Samuel. It, it has the same meaning, but... Uh, I found it in Acts, so Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So it's interesting that, that it says David is a man after God's heart, and then it kind of gives a description of what that means to be after, after God's heart. It says, and who will do all my will. So automatically we can make that connection that if your heart is after God, then you will do His will. And, and, uh, and we can make the same connection, whereas if your heart is not towards God, then you're not going to do His will. Or if you don't do God's will, your heart is not after His own heart. And, and you know, this is what we've been preaching about here for, for months and, and, and years, and this is what we're going to keep preaching about from different angles, from different ways that God opens up to us. But... It says here that David was a man after God's own heart. There's no other person in the Bible that, that it says that about that. This person was a man after God's own heart. Obviously, we have Jesus who's the, the, the model of perfection and he was half man, half God. But we're talking about somebody who was just fully man and no God at all. Just fully man. And it says he was a man after God's own heart. And Galatians chapter 1 verse 8 you can jot it down. You can open up to it. I'm going to be all over the Bible, so I would write it down because I don't want to keep waiting and, and uh, wasting too much time here. It says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So this is Paul saying, if anybody comes and preaches something that's different from what was already preached here before, if, so, if an angel even comes down here and preaches something different than what was preached when, when this church was starting, when we were here for the very first time, then, you know, let that person be cursed. You know, don't listen to that message. You know, don't, don't change your whole philosophy. You know, stay rooted to what you first believed. And, and why I put those uh, two places in Scripture close to each other is because that's where the church is starting to get twisted, is, is we're starting to develop a new gospel. We're starting to develop a new gospel that Jesus never preached. We're starting to develop a gospel of, 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 of uh, an imaginary God that doesn't exist, that we think exists, and we think sent Jesus down to die for everybody. We, we made up a twisted image of, of Christianity. We made up a twisted image of God who's so loving that He wants everybody to be saved and He's willing to cross out His own words just so everybody can get to heaven. And um, 
in, in this verse in Galatians, Paul says the complete opposite almost. He's saying, he's saying if somebody preaches something different, even if it's an angel from heaven, if he preaches something different, don't listen to it. We hear a lot in the New Testament uh, G- when Jesus is talking about the end times. He says, take heed so that nobody deceives you. He says, be careful because in those times there will be a lot of people and they'll want to tickle your ears and they'll tell you things that you want to hear so that you feel good about yourself. They'll have a, a lot of motivational speakers in churches that, that'll, that'll give you a good message and, and you'll come out of it and you'll be like, wow, I feel good about my life again. And, and then on Monday you realize, hey, my life doesn't have meaning again. You know, well, what's going on? This was talked about in the Bible 2,000 years and, and even back then it was happening, but now it's like, you know, now we're alive. You know, Bible is kind of like, you know, we're reading, in a way we're reading history of what happened. Now we see it happening before our very eyes. We can see it physically happening. We can see how, how this church that you're like, okay, this church is, is an awesome church. It's got a good past. And then all of a sudden they have a rainbow flag on their wall. And you're thinking, what is going on? How is this happening? How, how is something that's so obvious in scripture how's that getting ignored and i was talking to pastor uh, i believe either last sunday or sunday before that after service and he was telling me about how they're making a new translation to the bible that'll change the scriptures about homosexuality so that it's not as offensive and 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 you know what the crazy thing is if if you'll go on those websites that all have all the translations that'll probably just be somewhere in the middle of them all like it's it's no big deal It'll say New King James, New International, New This, and then, you know, Gay-Friendly Bible. And it'll all be in one list, and it's all Christian, and it's all accepted, and it's all God's Word. That's what's happening with the world that we live in. Everything is twisted. Everything is gray. Everything is mixed. And, and, and you know, for us today, we have to take heed to God's Word. We need to hold on to, to, to the message that Jesus preached 2,000 years ago and not what's being preached by some guy in skinny jeans and a leather jacket at a, at a church that has 50,000 people in it. You know, we need to listen to, to, to the words that Jesus himself spoke. You know, in, 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 our, in the English Bibles, you, you can find that text. Yeah, it's all in red. Those are the words of Jesus. And, you know, that's what we need to grab onto. That's what we need to latch onto because that's the only thing that will help us to stay faithful. In, 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 in Psalm 119, in verse 9, it says, How can a young man stay pure? It says, by taking heed to your word. That's a scripture we should all know by now. Psalm 119.9. I don't even know how many times it's been said from here. How does a young man stay pure? Or a young woman stay pure? By taking heed to your word. And, and the crazy thing is a lot of us, we choose to accept this gospel. And, and, and we say, you know what? This makes sense to me. You know this is, you know, maybe the way my church preaches is, is a little bit different than, than how I see Christianity, you know. We start developing our own opinion of, well, I think that, you know, I think this is fine. I think this is okay. I think tattoos are okay. I think listening to bad music is okay. I think, I think watching TV all day and, and, and whatever shows I want it's okay, you know, and we develop this, our own opinion, we develop our own Christianity, it's like there's 7 billion people in the world, and every single person has their own world view on what they think is offensive and what they think is right, and, that, and, and the problem is when that starts getting into the church, because the world is the world, the world's always going to be the world, it's, it's, we're not going to save the whole world, 
I'll just, I'll just give you a secret right now. It says, it, says, it says, the way is narrow, and few are those who find it. You know, we're not going to save the whole world, you know. And, and, and we can pretend that, you know, okay, maybe, you know, the Supreme Court did this, but our next president, you know, is going to be good, and, and it'll all start getting restored. No. Even if our next president is a good president, the president after that won't be a good president. It'll still eventually end up where, where it needs to end up, which is the, the, the fiery lake of, of hell. But we need to make sure that we stay faithful and that those around us know Jesus and that those around us are preached to and that they know the truth. So that when we're standing before God, we're saying, God, I did everything I could. I, I preached to everybody I could. There's nothing else I could do. You know, because when I'm in heaven, I don't want my coworkers to, to come up to me, you know, while I'm standing before God and like, hey, why didn't you tell me all these things? Why didn't you tell me I would be going to hell right now? You know, I don't want my classmates, I don't want family members to be like, hey, why didn't you never, why did you never tell me that, that, that there's going to be this day of judgment and that I'm going to be sent to hell for the way that I was living? No, why didn't you tell me that? I, I don't want to have those those kinds of things to happen to me when I'm being judged by God. You know, it's kind of not, not, not the most pleasant thing. And probably not going not, not gonna to be too good for my case. And uh, in John chapter 15, Jesus is, uh, is talking to his disciples. Let's see, John chapter 15, verses uh, 18 through 25. Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do... To you for my name's sake, because you do not know him who sent me. Oh, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in the law. They hated me without cause. So Jesus is saying that you're not greater than me. That's what he's saying to every single one of us today. He's saying you are not greater than me. He says the servant is not greater than the master. And he's telling us, he's saying, because they hated me, they're going to hate you. So, so my second question is, does the world hate us? Just, you know, personally, not as a, as a church, not as Christianity, because the world hates Christianity as a worldview. I'm talking about like personally, you personally, you know, you with the people that you're surrounded by, the worldly people that you're surrounded by. Do you stand out or do you blend into to what they're like and the things that they talk about and the decisions that they make? You know, do you blend in or do you stand out like a sore thumb? You know, you, you ever, probably guys more than girls, you know, you're hammering something and you accidentally hit, hit, hit your thumb and then your thumb is all blue and it looks like it's not like all the other fingers. Yeah, is, is that what you're like when you're surrounded by worldly people or, or do you blend in with them? You know, do, do they always kind of like have a shield against you or are they always kind of like, oh, you know, this guy's here, you know, let's, 
you know, watch out what we're talking about or he's going to judge us again, you know. How do people react when you're around them? You know, how, 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 you know, what's their body language even? Are they like, oh, you know, hello. Are you friends with the world? That's a better question. Are, are, you, are, are, you, are, you, are you friends with, with, with the kind of people that, whose lifestyle don't reflect the kind of lifestyle that you should be living? You know, and, and, and it's one thing when you're a strong Christian and, and you're rooted and you know who God is and God lives in you and, and, and you go into these kinds of situations and you preach to them. That's one thing. But most of us aren't there. Most of us are at the case where you, you need to get strong yourself. You need to be firm yourself before you can think about saving anybody else. You know, and, and, and that's the question. Does the world hate us or are we friends with the world? You know, because Jesus said time after time, he said, you're, he said, you're either with me or you're against me. It's either black or it's white. There's no gray. There's no middle ground. Which side are you on? And, and does the world hate us? Do, do we, you know, I've had so many random conversations with people. And they're, and they're just talking and I'm just talking about And they ask me a question and I just answer it the way I understand. And then I get all these weird looks. I'm not trying to talk about Jesus. I'm not even talking about Christianity. I'm just talking from my worldview being a Christian. And I get weird looks for that. Like, you know, oh, you know, the Supreme Court did this. Isn't that awesome? No. No, it's not awesome. This is just another uh, step as America's going going down to hell pretty much. Oh, I never. What? Are you, what? It's, you know, there needs to be a difference between how we act the things that we say and the things of this world. It needs to be defined and it needs to be cleared. What our stance is, what our position is on things. And, and, and the more we try to smear it and, and, and make it more gray, the more lukewarm we become. And it's like we get stuck in this trap. And, 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 and if you start off a conversation wrong with a person, then it's even harder to talk about the right things next time you talk to them. Because next time you're like, well, last time I saw him, I, I was kind of like, you know, not really too strong. And now if I do it, I'm going to come off as weird. It gets harder and harder and harder. And, and it's like you put yourself in a more difficult position. But when, when we know our position, when we know who God is, when we know what His Word is, it should be no problem for us to, to just stand on His Word. You know, if we stand on His Word, that means we're just speaking God's Word. If we're hated by this world, then we're hated by this world. I'd rather be hated by this world than hated by God, you know. And it says God hates the wicked, God hates sin. I'd, I'd, I'd rather be hated by the world. And in, uh, we're reading the book of Romans right now. Romans is... is uh, it's a good book in the Bible. And Romans chapter 12 is a very good chapter in the Bible. It's so good that we were stuck on it for almost a year at RG12. And in Romans chapter 12, the first two verses, it says, I beseech you therefore, therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Two things. It says, offer your life as a living sacrifice. And then it says, do not conform to this world. I think those two things go together because... 
you know, in our lives, we're always, uh, we're, a lot of times we're faced with a situation that's just like, you know, perfectly timed and perfectly placed there. And, and it's like the situation, we have to choose one way or another. You know, and, it, and it, it, most of the time that situation, it's like one side is conforming to the world and one side is, is being a living sacrifice. Practically, I say this all the time, I'll say it again. Your uncle's birthday party is on a Friday night, coincidentally, because it always is for some weird reason, and you don't see your uncle the whole year, but you have to see him that one day, to, 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 like Allah said, to, to make up for all the neglecting that, you, that you've done in the past year, or, or something just has to be on, on Sunday during prayer. It just, it, I, I have to come to work right then, or if I come on Monday, the company is going to burn down. It's always, we're always going to be placed in these situations where you choose. You're either going to conform to the world or you're going to be a living sacrifice. You're, you're going to do what God wants or you're going to do what you want. It's always going to be one of those things. And um, even working on Sundays, I think that's, that's a way that we can conform to the world. Because Sunday, is, even you go back to the Ten Commandments, you go back to the creation of the universe. God didn't work for a day. And right here we just read a scripture where, where Jesus says, the servant is not greater than the master. So if we throw out that thing that God himself did, we're thinking, well, I'm greater than God. You know, God only needed to work for six days and, and, and rest for one. I can work for all seven and I'm fine. You know, it's even, that's the Ten Commandments. That, that's on the same level as stealing and, and, and murder. No, we don't look at it like that. We look at it as like, well, we're Christians, and since we have church on Sunday, then no. You know, I'll tell you this. If you want to make that day your Saturday, go for it. Make it your Saturday. Dedicate your whole Saturday to God. Go for it. Just don't go shoving it down people's throats and telling them that's the only way to do it. But if that's what you feel you need to do it in your heart, do it. But leave a day that you will just fully commit to God. You won't work. You won't think about work. You won't do anything that, that's busyness and anything. Just rest the whole day. That's why it's best to do it on Sunday because you're in church anyways. Just do it just, just the whole day. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not taking any calls today. I'm not answering emails today. They can wait until tomorrow. If, if, if I lose them as a client, whatever. They can, it's, it's like it's a principle thing, you know? It's not just like, oh, well, it's, it's a law. That, no, it's like it's a principle. It's just like I'm dedicated this day to God. No client's going to get in, in, in God. In God's way. He's still going to be number one. You know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's your heart. It's where you position God in your heart. If God's just like kind of there along with everything else that, that, that you like, then He doesn't need that. You know, He doesn't want that. He doesn't desire that. He wants your full heart. He wants your whole life. He wants everything that, 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 you, that you have. You know, the, the Word of God says that He's a jealous God. You know, and, 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 and He loves you and He cares you so much and He wants you and He's not willing to share you with anything else. You know, it's like when you get married, you'll realize what that really means. You know, it's like you know this person is mine. I'm not sharing it with anybody. You know, I, I, I read this, this uh, 
like I don't know if it's a statistic, whatever. It was on a. I don't know if you guys know. There used to be this. There used to be this good family-friendly show. It's called Family Feud. I don't know if you guys heard about it. It was a good family show. Just yeah, it's very perverted now. Just like everything on television. Anyways, they how Family Feud works is 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 they do a survey. They ask. They're, they're like, you know, we asked 100 men in America this question. Then they put a question up on the screen, and then there's like six answers. And you're trying to guess the answer that got the most uh, responses. The, the, the survey was, we asked 100 married men in America this. And the question was, how many women have you been with at the same time? So it's like, how many women were you dating at the same time? The number one answer was two. It was over 50% of the people said, I have been with two people the number two answer was three, which was another 30 per, uh, just less than 30%. So that's 75% of just regular, everyday Americans said they have cheated on somebody in their life. And, and it's, it's no big deal. It's like, it's normal. You know, th- this is normal part of our culture. The answer one wasn't until like fourth or fifth on the list. Something else was even above that. So we can see everything is getting twisted and and, and, and it's like everything's like, you know, you don't have to stay faithful to anything. If you don't like your job anymore, just quit and go do something else. Don't stay faithful to your boss either. Don't, you know, athletes, don't stay faithful to your contract. You know, you signed a contract, you know, two years ago, you signed a six-year contract, but you're like, no, I want more money now, so I'm just not going to show up. And then they give you more. It's like faithfulness is thrown out the window. No more faithfulness. Do whatever you want. Serve whatever God you want. Everything is fine. Don't stay faithful to your spouse. Do, there, there's the, this uh, stupid website. I don't even remember what it's called anymore. It got, it got hacked by, by, by some, some group. It's, it's a website where married people go on it, and they find other married people that they can have affairs with. And it was 33 million people are on that website in America. America has a population of 300 million and they made a joke that, that the day all those names are published, they're going to need 30 million graves because <laughs> 30 million spouses are going to die. But it's sad where our world is going. And, and it's this whole mentality of do whatever you want, don't stay faithful. Do It's creeping into the church. It's creeping into our lives. It's creeping into our view of Christianity. And it's like one day God says, you know, when you're here on Friday night, when you're here on Sunday and, and pastor preaches, you're like, this is God's word. I need to make this decision. I need to do this. I need to get rid of this in my life. Then Monday comes and God changes and you're like, hey, I can stay with this in my life. And, and God's okay with it and I don't feel bad about it. There's nothing else that, 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 that's holding you down. There's, there's nothing. That's why I'm saying you need to hold on to the word of God because that's what you need to build your roots on. That's what you're going to grow on. That's like the, the, the fountain of living water that, that's going to constantly give you something fresh, going to give you something new so that you can grow, so that you can produce fruit in your life. In, uh, you know, in, 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 in media, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm appalled when I, when I find out People even on, on our youth worship team, they listen to music that's not Christian. I, I just don't get it when I hear things like that. I just don't get it. Why are you on the stage then? Why are you, in, in, why are you here right now? Why do you come to, the, why do you come to church? The, you know, that's like one of those things that God just despises. That He's like, you're trying to live two worlds. 
Why? Oh, well, I think God's okay with it. Well, He's not okay with it. And you're going to find that out on a very sad day for you. When, oh, I, I thought it was fine, God. Well, you, you're probably not even going to be able to say anything because Jesus is staring at you with eyes of fire and a sword coming out of His mouth. You're going to be like, oh, well, I, I, I thought listening to non-Christian music would be fine. Yeah, <laughs> say that to Jesus with, with, with eyes of fire. Please try. I, I, I want to see the, his response after that. You know, it's very clear God's position on, on these types of things. It doesn't, it does, you know, there doesn't need to be a, a Romans chapter 17 saying, you know, don't listen to bad music. Don't watch stupid movies. It's obvious. We don't need to prove by the Bible somehow that tattoos are sinful or they're not sinful. It should be obvious. Especially if you go to this church, it should be obvious by now. You know, it's like these things, they shouldn't even be a question anymore. Dating shouldn't even be a question anymore. Especially if you've been here. If it is a question, then I have another question for you. Why are you here then? What's your purpose? What's your goal? You're not going to change this youth. You're not going to change the message that's being preached here. You know, and, and God's word is getting bombarded nowadays from every single direction. From, from every other religion, from include, including atheism. They're fine with everybody else, but Christians are, 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 are way too loud. Christians have too much power. Christians, Christians, Christians. You know, in the news, they talk about how ISIS killed all these people. ISIS killed all these people. They don't say anything about how ISIS is mostly killing Christians. How they're forcing them to, you know, deny Christ or we're going to chop your head off. That's not in the news anywhere. You have to understand that this world is built against you. This world is built in a way where Satan tries to steal, kill, and destroy your mind, your soul, your body, everything. It's designed in this way. And, and we as young people, a lot of times we think that the world was always like this. And that our, our parents had it the same way and they did whatever they did and they're fine now. Reality is it wasn't. Reality is as twisted as it is now. It, has, it was like that in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, it was like that in, in, in the world in the days of Noah. Yeah, it's been like that before. But we, all, we know how those stories end up and we, and we see how it slowly getting to that to that same state with america and, and the whole world it's everything is built against you it's like satan has built an arsenal with every kind of weapon just aimed at you and he's firing everything at you and we're eating all of it up and we're accepting all of it and then we're putting a christian label on it and trying to fit god into it somehow you know that's what the problem is that's what and 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 when when these kinds of christians go and preach in this world you know they seem to have success there. You know, we, we hear all the time, you know, I know this pastor, every single person he preaches to, they get saved. Then we find out that all the pastor says is, oh, you're crying, you're feeling bad. Well, you know, Jesus can make your life better. Really? Yes, Jesus can make your life prayer. Repeat this prayer after me. And you realize that the person's not really saved. They just, they're saved for a second. And then as soon as they start sinning again, it, habitually, they lost it. And that's what's being bombarded us. What the world needs is it needs real Christians to rise up, real Christians to start speaking. And no, not everyone's going to accept us. No, not everybody's going to listen to you. But there's going to be that one or two people that, that listen to you and, you're like, and they're like, I want the fire that's burning in their eyes. 
you know, and that's what we need to put our aim on. We're not going to have a church of, of, of thousands and thousands. Well, we might, I don't know, but it's really doubtful that we'll have a church with, with thousands and thousands and thousands of people and we'll have four services every Sunday and then seven more on Saturday. And it's, it's not going to happen. What most likely is going to happen is, is in, in like five or ten years, we're all going to have little churches in our homes because it's illegal to be Christians now. And, you know, and we're going to be excited for those moments when we actually get to see each other walking down the street. And we're going to be like, hey, we read this thing in the Bible yesterday. You're like, I know, I know God was telling us. Yeah, that's what it's going to get to. And the crazy thing is, and I noticed this today in, in, in that place in, 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 in John chapter 15, when Jesus is talking, later on he says people will throw you out of their synagogues. So, and... and I don't know, I guess God just kind of opened up to me where, hey, what if we start getting persecuted by some of the churches? Just like, hey, what if those churches that accept everything and everybody and and everything on this planet, what if they start persecuting us too? I know we hear about how America was started and, and even Christians were killing so many people in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. What if that starts happening with us? Have you ever thought about it? It, it's, it? it says that brother will turn against brother, son against father. So your whole life, you know, your coworker, he was a Christian. You know, you guys were brothers. And then all of a sudden there's a switch. And all of a sudden, what if persecution starts coming from them too? What are we standing on? You know, what are we basing everything on? How do we know we're going to be able to, to survive an attack like that? And I've... One more point, and I'll just be really short on it because I want to uh, don't want to take too much time. I want to get to that uh, video, but there has to be there has to be passion in our hearts for what we do. There has to be passion in our in our heart for God. You know, it it uh, it worries me when when you look back during worship, or if you're on stage, if you're looking out, and and people are just standing like this during worship. You know, it it worries you because. If a person is truly excited for God, if a person truly has the Holy Spirit inside of them, you can't just stand like that during worship. If you don't like the song, you, you'll just naturally, you'll start to pray. You'll start to break through. You'll start to do something. You know, something has to change in, 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 in the way that, 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 that we see church. Something has to change in the way that, that we see worship, in, in the way that we read God's Word. In the way we live our life, something has to change because it's not working. You know, it's not working to, you know, just stand there during worship like this and then be angry at God your whole life because you were struggling with something and you could never overcome it and then you left church and now you're mad at God. We, we know stories like that. We know people like that. You know, even, even look around you. Some, some of the people that were here three, four years ago aren't here anymore. It's, I did this... I did this little collage thing where I took our group pictures from all the camps and I just put them like side by side, all four of them. It's sad. It's sad when you look at the very first camp. It's very sad. Even though our, 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 the number of people we have at camps has, has grown since then, even though there's more people now. It's, it's sad when you, when you look at those old pictures and you remember how, I remember when he burned for God. I remember when he got a big revelation and he was telling me about it and now he's not in church anymore. Or he's in church somewhere on the back rows, come, come, comes late and leaves early. It's sad. 
But what's our guarantee that that won't happen to us? You know, how do we know that that, that won't be our story, you know, three, four years from now? We think we're invincible. We think, hey, we're, 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 we're young. We're, we're going to grow old. We're going to do all these stupid things, get motorcycles, do all these dumb things on them. How does that end up? Not very good. You know, we got to make those, those, those bold decisions now. That, you know what, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm throwing everything out. I'm cutting all the cords. I'm deleting everything. I just want God, and I, I want more of Him, and I want to survive, and I want to hear good and faithful servant. And uh, we're going to watch the video in a second, but as they're getting it ready up there, uh, this I've been listening to a lot of David Wilkerson lately. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a good preacher. He always... Uh, uh, all the time while he's preaching, he, he he's, especially in this message, he's very old at this point. And uh, he, he has like this kind of voice where it sounds like he's almost yelling. And a lot of times during the sermon, he's like, I'm going to quiet down because I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm mad. Because he's not mad, but it sounds like he is. But uh, I've been listening to a lot of him. This is actually something that uh, Ksusha sent me. And, I, and, I, watched it and I watched this whole sermon. This is just the seven minutes just parts cut out from it but um i don't know i feel like this was the most powerful message by him that i've heard it's 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 called a call to anguish it's talking about how christians need anguish in in their hearts how people need more anguish in their life and you can turn it on and i look at the whole religious scene today and all i see are the inventions and ministries of man and flesh it's mostly powerless. It has no impact on the world. And I see more of the world coming into the church and impacting the church rather than the church impacting the world. I see the music taking over the house of God. I see entertainment taking over the house of God. An obsession with entertainment in God's house. A hatred of correction and a hatred of reproof. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. Whatever happened to anguish in the house of God? Whatever happened to anguish in the ministry? It's a word you don't hear in this pampered age. You don't hear it. Anguish means extreme pain and distress. The emotion so stirred that it becomes painful. Acute, deeply felt inner pain because of conditions about you, in you or around you. Anguish, deep pain, deep sorrow, agony of God's heart. We've held on to our religious rhetoric and our revival talk, but we've become so passive. All true passion is born out of anguish. All true passion for Christ comes out of a baptism of anguish. You search the scripture and you'll find that when God determined to recover a ruined situation, He would share His own anguish for what God saw happening to His church and to His people. And He would find a praying man and He would take that man and literally baptize him in anguish. You find it in the book of Nehemiah. Jerusalem is in ruins. How is God going to deal with this? How is God going to restore the ruin? 
Now, folks, look at me. Nehemiah was not a preacher. He was a career man. But this was a praying man. And God found a man who would not just have a flash of emotion, not just some great, sudden burst of concern and then let it die. He said, no, I broke down and I wept and I mourned and I fasted. And then I began to pray night and day. Why didn't these other men, why didn't they have an answer? Why didn't God use them in restoration? Why didn't they have a word? Because there was no sign of anguish. No weeping. Not a word of prayer. It's all ruin. Does it matter to you today? Does it matter to you at all? That God's spiritual Jerusalem, the church, is now married to the world? That there's such a coldness sweeping the land? Closer than that, does it matter about the Jerusalem that's in our own hearts? The sign of ruin that's slowly draining spiritual power and passion? Blind to lukewarmness? Blind to the mixture that's creeping in? That's all the devil wants to do is get the fight out of you and kill it. So you won't labor in prayer anymore. You won't weep before God anymore. You can sit and watch television and your family go to hell. Let me ask you, has what I just said convicted you at all? There's a great difference between anguish and concern. Concern is something that you, that begins to interest you. You take an interest in a project or a cause or a concern or a need. And I want to tell you something I've learned over all my years, 50 years of preaching. If it is not born in anguish, if it has not been born by the Holy Spirit, where when you saw and heard of the ruin that drove you to your knees, took you down into a baptism of anguish where you began to pray and seek God, I know now, oh my God, do I know it. Until I'm in agony. Until I have been anguished over it. And all our projects, all our ministries, everything we do. Where are the Sunday school teachers that weep over kids they know are not hearing and they're going to hell? You see, a true prayer life begins at the place of anguish. You see, if you, you set your heart to pray, God's going to come and start sharing your heart, His heart with you. Your heart begins to cry out, Oh God, your name is being blasphemed. The Holy Spirit's being mocked. The enemy is out trying to destroy the testimony of the Lord's faithfulness and something has to be done. There's going to be no renewal, no revival, no awakening until we're willing to let Him once again break us. Folks, it's getting late and it's getting serious. Please don't tell me. Don't tell me you're concerned when you're spending hours in front of internet or television. Come on. Lord, there's some need to get this altar and confess. I am not what I was. I am not where I'm supposed to be. God, I don't have your heart or your burden. I've been I wanted it easy. Just want to be happy. But Lord, true joy comes. True joy comes out of anguish. 
There's nothing of the flesh will give you joy. I don't care how much money, I don't care what kind of new house there is. Absolutely nothing physical can give you joy. It's only what is accomplished by the Holy Spirit when you obey Him and take on His heart. Build the walls around your family. Build the walls around your own heart. Make you strong and impregnable against the enemy. God, that's what we desire. Just uh, stand up. Just begin to pray. Uh, just uh, hallelujah, God.